0: Love, talk, radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 46 of the Noah's Pass podcast presented to you by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us and we appreciate that. I'm your host, Frank Santos, who did not watch a single snap of preseason NFL football and somehow scored the most points in two weeks in my fantasy league in a row, which just proves how stupid fantasy football really is. And I have my co-host with me, Andy Flint. Flipmo, what's good?
1: Man, I don't know. All I know is this weather, and watching this football on my TV makes me really miss basketball.
0: Yeah, t- true that. It's the dog days of September, and all we got is some foosball. So we do first want to apologize to you guys, Andy and I, have been out of contact for a couple of weeks here uh, with with you guys just because you know r- real players do real things. But, but we we got a little surprise for you. Yes, it's back, back. That would be a the podcast, back at you. Uh, we are doing the NBA Power Forward Draft today. If you don't know by now, go and see the previous episodes. Andy and I draft every single position, 1 to 30, and then we give you our thoughts. What we do is we go 30 through 16, pause, give you a couple of players, um, and then 15 through 6, do the same thing, and then we discuss the top five. We've been doing this for about four years now. Uh, we used to write for a sports website together. That's where we started this tradition. This is the second year we brought it to the podcast. So please, if you haven't already, go give the other positions uh, a listen. And we are going to get into the power forwards. Andy, are you, are you ready for this? Because I think we have a lot of debate to go on here. Uh, we have a lot of disagreements with power forwards. Let's do it then. Number 30, Jared Selinger. Number 29, Andy took some pity on me and gave me a Brooklyn Net with his pick, uh, Trevor Booker. Oh, by the way, all <laughs> odd picks. All odd picks are Andy's picks. All even picks are my picks. I should have mentioned that before. Uh, number 28, Bobby Portis. Number 27, David Lee. 26, Nicola Mirakic. 25, Andy correctly put this with a question mark. Markeith Morris? Yeah, because I don't know where to put Marquise Morris in this draft either. 24, Marvin Williams. 23, Taj Gibson. 22, Alf Rukamino. 21, Nerland Noel. 20, Julius Randle. 19, Thad Young. 18, Greg Monroe. 17, Jaleel Okafor, and 16, Kenneth Fareed. So the first person we are going to talk about here was number 21, Nerland Noel, and this is a very interesting pick, uh, I think, to talk about, Andy, because I actually don't know how he ended up at 21 because I had him higher, so you must have had him a lot lower, or maybe I just happen to have a few guys ahead. Uh, but anyways, let's uh, it's your pick, so I want to talk about Nerlandz here.
1: I mean, I, I pulled the old Major League bulk a little bit on uh, New Noel because I, too, had him up at 16, and he, he went what? 21.
0: Yeah, how'd that happen? Cause 21. I had like
1: <laughs> you know, <laughs> I did a thing where I took Jalil Okafor first, even though I had him ranked lower, and I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what happened. I really do like New Noel. I think he's a quality player, 11 points, eight rebounds, a block and a half. Uh, he, You know, he's different. He, he's not necessarily your traditional power forward or even center, uh, whatever position we actually consider him in the long run. Um, but he's also not the new power forward who gets away with shooting jump shots and spreading the floor. He's kind of just like a, a disruptor. He steals the ball. He blocks shots. He's everywhere. Um, I remember being a big fan of him out of college. I actually wanted him in Orlando over Victor Oladipo. Uh, that obviously didn't happen. He had the injury, but um, you know, I, I think this is a good area for New Noel. I, I think a lot of people probably get stuck like I did with the, is he, uh, is he a better player than Joel Okafor? We don't really know, but you know, some of the guys that are, that are in the mix there, it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, Julius Randall, um, you know, Thad Young's in there, al I mean, these players, I, I think, I think Noel has the potential to be better than most of these guys, but you know, the, The day's young for his career.
0: Yeah. I really like the word that you used, uh, disruptor. I never thought about that word with New Noel. I think that's a good way to describe him. Uh, The way I described him, and and bear with me, people, because I am going to make this case for you, is I really think he's like a mini version of of DeAndre Jordan. I think that could be like his destiny. And what I mean is he can be a rim-running shot blocker with a limited offensive touch. The hardest part, especially for a high pick, like you said, he was, you know, he came out, he he went to Kentucky, I believe. He was one of Coach Cal's one and Dunners. and people are are telling him, listen, your destiny is to be one of the greatest players in the league. You're going to be a stud, you know. Michael Jordan, look out, Nerlens Noel is coming, and then Philadelphia trades two picks to get you, including an All Star and Drew Holiday. So you're really thinking, like, wow, I gotta I gotta come out and, and prove that I can really be the franchise player of. Team because they're valuing me at that, at that position. But since, I think what we've learned is your destiny is basically a bona fide role player, which isn't a bad thing. Like, in early you can be the third best player on a championship team, and I mean that sincerely. I feel that way. Far stretch from I'm the first pick, uh, I need to basically lead this team in uh, points, rebounds, assists, You know, I need to be Magic Johnson molded with Michael Jordan, molded with Allen Iverson somehow, even though I'm a power forward. So I think the hardest part for Noel is going to be accepting that role. And I think once he does that, he can be one of the better players in terms of what he does in the league. And I like the word that you used again. I think he can be, like, really a curveball, a disruptor, somebody that you can't really account for as a whole in the game plan.
1: You know, and I really like the DeAndre Jordan comparison. I was struggling with the comparison. I kept going to, like, Bismack, Biombo or even I, – I even see him sort of like – he has a little Paul Millsap. Of course, the, the entire offense is out the window. But his defensive game, right. the way he kind of – you know, he's everywhere. He can kind of switch off and guard on guys a little bit. But I do like the DeAndre Jordan thing. I think the build's similar. Uh, Ner, Nerland's needs to probably gain 20 pounds. I think that's the best thing for him. If he gained, like, 15 or 20 pounds and moved – uh, to the center full time. I think it's a better place for him because you expect a little bit of offense out of your power forwards now, and and I don't know that he'll ever have a consistent his his offensive game is going to be off of hustle and second chance points and stuff of that nature.
0: Exactly, just like DeAndre Jordan. And the problem with what what you're saying, and I agree, is that his destiny probably is at a center. Is he's not going to be able to be on the Philadelphia seventy sixers and do that because they already have <laughs> four who's probably more of a natural center, um, theoretically than. Noel and they have Embiid. So they, they have a, a clog up there and it's not something I'm not revealing some secret. I mean, these these guys have been on the trade block or some version of them or all of them, or at least one of them have been on the trade block, depending on what sources you read. So the, the Sixers know that like one of these guys has to go because you can't have all three of these guys on the same team. So I'm, I hope that Noel actually is the one that gets traded because I think he has the most potential to make a bigger difference immediately so I think, like, if you trade him to a more established team and give him the role that we're saying, I think he could do very well in it. Um, and also, I think, you know, the Sixers, I think Okafor and Embiid can play well together. So um, I think it would be best for everybody if, if Noel was, was the man to go, to be honest. Um, but we are going to move on to Greg Monroe at number 18, which was my pick. And the reason I want to talk about Greg Monroe, Andy, is because I found myself thinking before the draft, like, oh, Greg Monroe is trash now. I'm not even sure he's a starter in the league. And he was actually one of our MIS starter uh, things that we put on our, our Facebook feed. And then I looked at the guys surrounding him on the list, and I I realized, like, oh, Greg Monroe is still a top 20 power forward in the league because, like, Al Farouk I love you. I actually like Al Farouk game. You're not better than Greg Monroe. It's, it's just not a thing. Um, And I think his real role now, to, to be honest, is off the bench, and I don't know how that – actually combines into being one thing, the fact that I think he's the 18th best tower forward and I think he's a bench player. I really don't know how I can mold those feelings together. But I'll, I guess what I'm saying is, given his game, I think his best value would be a punch off the bench, an offensive punch off the bench. And I think if he accepts that role, he would probably be one of the best players in the league in that role or one of the best weapons in the league in general.
1: Yeah, and I think it boils down to what does Greg Monroe think he – is. You know, what does he right. think he's a starter? Unfortunately he probably yeah. does and he you know, he was such a, a good college prospect. I, I just it's hard for me to think this guy wants to accept the six man, but I agree with you. I mean I think we do I, I'm a little hard on Greg Monroe at times. He's just such a black hole. He doesn't give you much defensively, uh six eleven. But his PR was like almost twenty two last year and you know I, I think he does do some nice things. It's it's all about the fit and we talked about this a little bit on the the No Look Pass podcast, uh Facebook page when we were talking about Greg Monroe and you know I I do think there's some value to him but I think he needs like the perfect situation and I just don't know if Milwaukee's it but hey I, I don't know crazier things they've had John Henson for what seems like an eternity now and I thought that guy would float around every team in the league
0: so it's funny that you bring up John Henson because one of the things that kind of hurts Greg Monroe is it seems like when John Henson's in the game the Bucks are a better team than when Greg Monroe is in the game and that's not really a great sentiment for Greg Monroe. Like, oh, we can just bring in John Henson. He's going to block shots and not do much of anything else, but he's better than like you're saying, the black hole that you are on offense, even though the this, this system's really predicated on our length and maybe our ability to move the ball and we just throw it to you in the post and you just keep it and then you just make a post move. And I mean, you, you score some of the time which, which is great, but the other guys are looking like, wait, this isn't our offense this isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? So Like you're saying, I don't think Milwaukee is the best fit for him. And I just don't – a guy with his skill set, I kind of feel the same way, unfortunately, about Al Jefferson now. I think those two are kind of comparable players, and I'm sure we'll talk about Big Al in the center draft. But I just don't think they're starters anymore because the game is just too fast for them. And I think you need to put him in 15 to 20 minutes against second units, mind you. Greg Monroe going against a second unit power forward or a center just might be you know, taking candy from a baby. Yeah, I mean, it's all about the fit. Again, I go back
1: to it. I think with with Ante Akumbo and with uh, Parker, if you're saying these are the guys, you know, we want to move forward with uh, also with your boy Middleton, I think with especially Ante Akumbo and Parker, you want to run. You want to be more athletic. I mean, Parker's, you know, taking guys off the dribble. That's his comfort zone. You know, he likes to get to the basket. I I think a guy like Monroe – obviously kind of halts that a little bit because where's he going to go? <laughs> he's got to stand there by the basket somewhere or else he's ineffective. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, do, I do think there's a place for Greg Monroe in this league, but I think it has to be the right place. And I do think it's uh, maybe even 25, 28 minutes off the bench. You just have to, you know, he has to be kind of your offensive pulse while he's on the court or else, you know, what are you really doing with the guy? I, I just, I wonder how much money it'll take to, you know, to, to keep him in the future, you know, when he goes on his next contract, that'll be the interesting part.
0: Because if you're giving him a lot of money, he's probably thinking you're giving him a lot of money to be a starter, and you're not. Uh, so let's yeah. move on to the rest of our list. We're going to go 15 through 6, and then, like I said, we're going to pause and talk about a couple more guys. So number 15, we have Ryan Anderson. 14, Jabari Parker. 13, uh, this, this hurts my heart that I'm going to have to criticize this pick, Andy. 13, Zach Randolph. I can't believe you picked him that high. Uh, 12, Derek Favors. 11, Chris Bosch. We will definitely talk about Chris Bosh at 11. Uh, 10, Christoph Porzingis, the poor Uh 9, Serge Ibaka. 8, Paul Gasol. 7, another veteran, Dirk Nowitzki. And 6, Paul Millsap. So we are going to start first with Jabari Parker, who is my pick. And I really wanted to talk about Jabari because this is where I pull in Andy Flint and remind you that Jabari is only 21 years old and has already shown flashes of being a star in this league. He had a near seven-point increase post-All-Star break in what was essentially his rookie season since they only played 25 games before he tore his ACL in 2014. Um, I love his game. I think he can definitely be uh, top. I mean, if, if you're thinking like guys like Dirk and Power are going to fall, I think he can leapfrog all the way up to probably top seven by, by this time next year. Um, and I just think it's because he was he was born in the right era. I mean, he was made to be – an NBA power forward in today's game, 6'8", 250. I mean, the, the comparisons you see most of Jabari Parker are Carmelo Anthony, and I'm not sure if he has really has that offensive, like, natural ability like Car- Carmelo has. I mean, Melo was just born to score 20 points in the NBA. I mean, that was why he was put on earth, it seems like. Uh, I'm not sure if Jabari has that same thing, but, I mean, and I think it's shown in Melo's career. Like, Melo at the four is, is just so dangerous, and I think it's, If somebody can learn that for an entire career and be like a mini Carmelo Anthony, then Jabari Parker is going to be maybe the best power forward in the league in five years.
1: You know, and another thing about Jabari Parker with the Carmelo Anthony comparison is he's supposed to be the Carmelo Anthony to Andrew Wiggins, LeBron James when they were drafted. And I think a lot of people have already forgotten about that with Parker's injury um, and the unknowns with with the Bucs and Greg Monroe and things of that nature. But you do see it when he plays. He has that unique game. His jumper's not quite there. If that jumper ever really gets there where it's, like, consistent, it doesn't even need to be mellow consistent, but just consistent, he's going to be so impossible to guard because he wants to take you off the dribble. Parker wants to dunk the ball. Make no mistake, a lot of people get that Carmelo because people talk about the Carmelo comparison, and they they, uh, assume he's Carmelo. Different player. I I think the size stuff, he's like 6'8", 250, which is bigger than Carmelo, too. But he wants to get right. to the hoop. He wants to jam the ball. But he does have the fundamental things that Mello brings. And I think the is really the limit for the kid. I love the pick. I love where he is. Uh, I don't remember where I had him ranked. Somewhere right in the the same. I think I had him at 14. Um, But, That's you know, I, I, I'm a big – yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of Jabari Parker. And, and I think him and Ante Akumbo, that, that combo uh, with the length and the athleticism is going to be very interesting.
0: Yeah, essentially when you when you watch the Bucks there's only one question you have to ask. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? So for one, that clip is not the same without Jay Z just rapping it right after it, it happens, but the point being Milwaukee Bucks, probably the most entertaining team in the league. Maybe the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to run for their money, and probably the, you know, the Golden State Warriors are kind of entertaining too. But I'm talking about not like juggernaut teams. Uh, I'm talking about human teams that were actually made on earth. Uh, I'm going with the, the, the Milwaukee Bucks being one of the most entertaining teams in the league, and I don't think anybody's going to argue with me. So let's move on to your, your boy, even though he wasn't your boy, and now he is your boy because he's on your team, Serge Ibaka. The starting power forward for the Orlando Magic, the notorious hated Serge Ibaka by Andy Flint, and now he has to learn to love him. Andy, tell me how the relationship's going with Serge here.
1: You know, this is like when your mom and your dad get a divorce, and your mom starts going to the gym, and she, you know, she looks about 10 years younger, and then she brings home this new guy, and he ultimately becomes your stepdad, and now you're stuck with him, even if you didn't <laughs> like the guy. And Serge, I'm stuck with Serge. I guess you could say, even though he's younger than me, he's my new stepdad. So. You know, I, I do like the things that Serge can provide for the Magic. I do also think, you know, I'm always playing devil's advocate, so I thought a little bit during last season I, I was feeling this way of like, man, Surge is getting hated on because everybody's like, he's regressing, he's past his prime, and I'm like thinking to myself, dudes don't get out of their prime when they're 26, 27 years old. So I think, you know, obviously we've, we beat the horse to death with the Serge talk on this show over the summer of, of, you know, a lot of his production being down because of Steven Adams and Ennis Kanter. And, you know, I think there's a a lot of validity to that. Now it's time for Serge to step it up as pretty much the man on this young Orlando Magic team. And, you know, I I think we're obviously going to see a spike in his offensive numbers. I would expect the rebounds to be up. I actually expect the shot blocks to go way back up. He got about two a game last year, which is down, and people are like, Serge doesn't even block shots anymore. Well, he still gets two a game. So I think that that's fantastic. (laughs) I think uh, working with Vogel is going to be great for his career too. Um, But, you know, with that said being said I, I do like the area he's in. I think he's just outside the top five, but inside the top ten is is about par for the course for serge
0: yeah the The problem with me for serge Ibaka is I think he's become stagnant. If you remember when Serge got drafted, he was like this raw guy from I believe he's from the congo i don't I don't want to yeah. disrepresent which African country he's from. But I believe he's from the congo uh. Um, And it was, like, we didn't know what what this guy was going to be. He was only, I believe he was 19 years old when he was drafted. And then he, like, developed quicker than any of us could have imagined. We're, like, oh, my God, look at this guy. He can block shots. He's, like, long and lanky. And then, like, the next year he added a jumper. And he had, like, this 18-footer. And he was, like, this perfect guy to go with Durant and Westbrook. And people were thinking, you couldn't even, like, mold a better person to play with these two guys. He doesn't need the ball. He blocks shots. He has a jumper. He can – stretch the floor this guy's perfect and then since then he's just been he's just been Serge Baca you know what I mean like he he hasn't really changed in like I would say the last four to five years you know which is weird um, and I'm wondering if a change of scenery and a change of role will help him be more aggressive like you're saying um, I'm looking forward to well, watching him in Orlando for that reason and I was also looking forward to watching him in a West, or in a Durantless Thunder team too.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I think he had become a product of his environment a little bit, and I was always the first one to bat. I I don't love big guys, especially aggressive shot blockers like Serge, who settle for the shot, and the three especially. And the thing that you saw in OKC with Serge is when the ball went to him, we used to call Brandon Bass back in the day, no pass, Bass. Abaka turned into that exact thing. Every time the ball came to him, he was shooting the shot. And sometimes that was great, and maybe that was the Thunder's game plan but I do think that he got to the point where he was molded so much to be a compliment to Westbrook and Durant, because duh, who wouldn't do that? That I think that's exactly what, you know, he, he just became, he became a guy, the third option. Now he's the first option. I don't love him as the first option. I don't think he's going to flourish as a first option in Orlando. I think that they need things still, but I do think the reset button is great for him and the magic have a lot of work to do to, you know, get him to resign. So hopefully it works out for them in in my sanity.
0: Do you really think he's the first option, though? Because, I mean, Orlando has a lot of guys that can score the ball. So I'm not sure if he's going to be the I deal. Think, I mean, even a guy like Fournier can, can really put the ball in the bucket. Well,
1: I think Fournier will probably be the first option to be – I mean, Fournier is going to lead the team in scoring, I would imagine. But I think when you when you bring Ibaka in and you know you need to re-sign him and he's clearly, you know, the best-rated player on your 2K team, I think you have to try to incorporate him into the offense a little bit, which means – I don't know that we're going to see a lot of surge standing around outside. I think it'll still happen, obviously, because you have to use what you have. But I think they're going to be try- – I feel like Orlando will be trying to get him some easy looks around the basket, dunks, because he doesn't have a post game. And I think Alfred right. Payton's a really good guard to do that because Payton is very good at getting to the next level and getting the ball to other people. The thing Alfred Payton really struggles with is scoring on his own. So I do think, you know – if Serge is going to be able to run and roam around and be in different places, I think it'll work beautifully. But we don't know. I mean, that Orlando team might be a tornado of disaster with a bunch of athletic guys who can't shoot the ball
0: flying around. Yeah, it's kind of a weird team. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to watch it, but it, it definitely has, like, a very high ceiling and very low floor potential to me. Like, you can, you can convince me Orlando wins 25 games, and you can convince me they win 45 games. And I, I would probably buy both arguments. Um, Agreed. So we're going to move on. Yeah, we're going to move on from Serge. And I want to have a quick conversation about two, two players um, before we move on to the top five. And those are 10 the guys right behind Serge Ibaka, 10 and 11, Porzingis. And, but we're going to start with Chris Bosh because I think we both agree that Chris Bosh is just a complete X factor in this draft. I have no idea where to put him because I don't know if he's going to play. I don't know how well he's going to look. I don't know if he's going to play 20 games and then all of a sudden be out for the rest of the season again. And it doesn't seem like anybody really knows. I mean, it it sounds like it's it's progressing well, but explain to me why. Because I think we both agreed, really, on the Chris Bosh placement in this draft. Because I think any guy after this, I would rather take a gamble on Chris Bosh and say if Chris Bosh is going to play 30 games, whatever, at least I took a chance. And anybody above him, I'm like, I would rather have these guys for a whole season rather than have Chris Bosh and then all of a sudden he plays 30 games. Well, and
1: that's just it, the X-Factor thing. I I think we both probably agree. I I think that if Bosch is healthy and Bosch can play and, you know, the the blood clot thing is handled, I I think he's better than everybody on here, you know, not named Anthony Davis, Blake Griffin, Draymond Green, and LaMarcus Aldridge. So I I would put him as fifth. I I think I like him slightly better than Kevin Love when he's healthy um, and and Paul Millsap. But, yeah, it's the injury thing. We haven't, you know, people – you go on what you have and what we have with Chris Bosh recently is, is not playing basketball. So I, I, I want to see him play. I, I, especially without Wade there now, no Wade, no LeBron. I want to see Chris Bosh, but I just don't know if it's going to happen. And I think nine is a perfect place because like you said, the guys like, you know, Gasol and, and Ibaka and Millsap. And then you have like Dirk and Zebo and Zinger and these guys. And, and I think it, it fits perfectly.
0: Yeah, so let's move let's move on to the next one because you you said nine because I believe that we have a slight difference because I had Porzingis ahead of him too and I don't think that you did.
1: Um, no, 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 no. I I I had uh I had Porzingis at eleven, and I had Bosch at nine. Right.
0: So why why uh, why not Porzingis? I guess is my question because I I think he is one of those ten guys where I would rather have Porzingis than than take a gamble on Chris Bosch.
1: I mean, for me, I, I like Porzingis. I like everything he did last year. I think the guy is highly competitive. I like what Kevin Durant said about him being a unicorn because he can shoot the ball deep and he'll get in your face and block shots. The kid might end up being 7 feet 11 before we know it. I don't know what's going on with that. I think he gets quicker and better at attacking the basket the taller he gets, actually, which is crazy. And I, I think the, the ceiling is, you know, limitless with this kid. I mean, I, it, it's crazy, but I think he could be the best power forward in the league. And that's saying something with guys like Draymond Green and Anthony Davis up there. But yeah, I, I just don't know. It's a sample size. And to me, Chris Bosh is still such a good player. It's almost like what we've done with Dwayne Wade in the past few years. Wade's suffered these injuries. He hasn't played, but we still can't, like, throw him in the garbage because we know what he does on the court. And that's the thing. same thing with me for Bosh. No intent, nothing against Porzingis. I think he's he's great. And you actually, when you sent me the list, you called him uh, Porzingad, which I I do agree with. And I I think uh, the Knicks fans finally have hit one. But I want to give him a little more time before I I anoint him completely.
0: Yeah, the thing I really like about Porzingis has nothing to do with him. I love. Um, especially for him this season, I love the surrounding. I love Joe Noah next to Porzingis every night. If, if that happens, obviously yes. Joe Kim Noah has his own injury issues to deal with. But I just love him learning from Noah, learning the intensity. And Porzingis already has like that intensity. I call him Dirk Nowitzki with an attitude. So that that's like my that's, that's my thing with with uh, Porzingis because I don't I'm not comparing him to Dirk because he's white and and European. I mean they just have very similar games. You know they have the distance. You know, they have the ability to bang, and they have, like, this shot that really can't be blocked because they're so tall, um, just like Dirk has. But like you're saying, like, Porzingis really has this edge to him, too, which which I love. And I I really think that I would rather have him, especially this season with his surroundings. I think he's going to flourish. He's going to learn how to play defense more. I think he's a little, um, especially for such a big guy, I think, obviously, his knees just get locked sometimes and guys just blow right by him. And, and I, I just think that that's something he has to learn how to cope with because he's so big and these guys are so quick and he's probably not used to it, obviously. So I think once he learns that, he's going to be a lot better defensively too, especially being able to stay in front of guys. Um, so let's get into I'm, the top five. Um, yeah, go for it. What, do you got anything about Porzingis I mean,
1: I, I'm just trying to figure out, like, how Andre Karolinko altered his birth certificate and is still playing in the league <laughs> with the Porzing. I mean, that's, they, do, they got the same haircut, man. It's weird.
0: Yeah, they, they, there's really there's crazy. my
1: there's my white oh. joke
0: for the day. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so our top five we have five Kevin Love, four Lamarcus Aldridge, three Blake Griffin, Draymond Green, and number one Anthony Davis. So the first thing I want I want to say is that Andy and I completely disagreed on this because I had Draymond Green one and Lamarcus Aldridge two. I had Blake Griffin at six and and Anthony Davis at five. Just because the injury concerns and, and we can get into that, but uh why don't you defend Anthony Davis as number one?
1: Uh he's easily better than all these guys. <laughs>
0: that's, that's a great defense. I uh, mean, here, let uh, let,
1: me, let me let me give the real defense. I, I, I do get your concerns, but I, I feel like in I don't think it's your fault. I think we've Become comfortable with underestimating Anthony Davis lately because of the time missing off of the court. And because I think the expectations, especially going into last year, th- last year he was the top rated fantasy player. Everybody expected him to be God. And then when he was playing, he was playing good basketball, and people were like, Anthony Davis sucks. And I'm looking at him, I'm like, what did he do tonight? Right. And I'm like, oh, he had 20, 22 and 12 with two blocks. Like, why? I don't understand how that means he sucks. So I, I think the yeah. expectations have gotten Anthony Davis a little bit. And, you know, that, that's really my defense. I still think he's so young, too. I mean, we're, we're not – again, we're, we get into this zone where a guy's around for a few years and people are already, like, discrediting him a little bit. And I think the, the you know, emergence of Draymond Green has kind of flustered that a little bit as well. But I'm still rocking with Anthony Davis all day. Brown Nation, baby. <sighs>
0: Uh, So, real quick, for me, I think it was a little bit of fading on my end, like you're saying, mostly because I had Anthony Davis as my preseason pick for MVP last year, and he was not the MVP last year, far from it. Um, I do think he disappointed a little bit, but like you're saying, I mean, he is so young, he's so raw, it's hard to be like, I'm off the Anthony Davis bandwagon, count me out. Like, oh, you're, you're off the Anthony Davis 20, what is it, 23? The Zachary averages like 22 and 10. You're off that bandwagon, really? You're, you're just not coming anymore? Uh, so I am not off the Anthony Davis bandwagon. I am on the Draymond Green bandwagon, though, clearly, because I, I just don't know. He plays both ends of the floor. And I think he's going to be the person that benefits the most from Kevin Durant because he can, just, he can just do Draymond Green things. Like, we literally just need you to be Draymond Green now. We don't need you to handle the ball, we don't need you to do all this stuff. We just need you to piss people off, play some defense, and and kick some people in the nuts. That's all we need you to do, Draymond. Draymond's like, all right, I got it. I I captain. Let's go win this championship. So that's what I got for Draymond Green. That is the power forward draft. Andy, real quick, what was the most surprising pick that I made?
1: The most surprising pick that that I think you made uh, for me was was probably I, I wasn't even prepared for this, as you can tell, as I'm stumbling through. Um, I, you know I. <laughs> i wasn't i wasn't a big fan of uh, of David Lee down here. I don't even think
0: I had him on my list yeah that, well that was your pick so i, I don't know why you did oh wait, wait to, that was my pick shoot you were the one that picked him so, jeez i messed
1: that I, all up i, I was i yeah, was the odds. Uh, you were the evens
0: me. that's right it's been my too most long surprising right? pick for you was Zach was zach randolph uh Wow. I love Depot more than anybody else in the world, but Zach Randolph is—it's it, over. I, I'm sorry, Zach. I, it's time to pack up. It's time to go home. Take your career. Take your grittiness, and 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 just just go on vacation permanently. Uh, I feel so bad that I just hated on Zach Randolph because he's one of my favorite players. <laughs> But that is our show. Join us next week as we continue our journey around the NBA. Follow the podcast on Twitter at NLP Podcast. That's N like Nancy Reagan, L like Larry Fitzgerald, P like Paul McCartney. We will close as we always do with the great philosopher, Jason White, chocolate Williams. Once probably thought basketball is a lot like last call at the bar. Sometimes it's better to pass without looking. And with that we bid you good night.